and thinking about your exhaustion. And I was just nodding along with you. I've totally been there. Uh, a friend of mine asked me to run a game uh, when he was feeling sick right in the beginning of COVID six months ago. And I said, you know, can I bring you any food? Can I go grocery shopping for you? Can I pick up, you know, things at the pharmacy? And he said, can I, can you run a game? And so every Thursday I've been running that game. But there have been a couple of Thursdays where I just got exhausted. And, and it wasn't because I didn't love playing, running that game. It's just that I was just tired. I was just, I just, I felt it. So when you were saying how tired you were, I was absolutely just nodding along. I didn't think you were selfish. I, I thought you were human, man. And, and hearing someone else having that experience uh, was very helpful to me. So uh, thank you very much for sharing that. It was very brave and, and I appreciate it. Jay's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Oh, oh, oh I want to come back to the dice Whoa, oh, oh, oh. I think I need some good advice I need a roleplay rescue Oh yeah I need a roleplay rescue Oh yeah Oh yeah Wow, how was that for a start to the show? Fantastic Thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for writing, recording and sending me that. You know, it never ceases to amaze me. This generosity from the Roleplay Rescue community. First, it was the podcast logo sent in by Ravi. And then call-ins began. And in time, TJ Drennan kindly got involved to create the main Roleplay Rescue theme. The music, all the incidental connective, what they call jingles? I don't know. Is that the right word? And now this, John. That was amazing, and you absolutely blew my mind when I heard that, so I just put it into the episode, feels right and good to me. Thank you. Thanks also to Judd Coleman at the top of the show, calling in from his own excellent Daydreaming About Dragons podcast. I really appreciated that message, which, in truth, I cherry-picked out from a sequence from him. Most of the other messages were in an earlier show, but that one was just screaming to go into this one. But hey, I am getting ahead of myself. Hi. My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering your lost role-playing hobby. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll find something either interesting or useful here today. This episode arises from the challenges that I've been facing to which Judd was referring in his call-in. I'm going to talk about what's been happening and what I'm doing to tackle these challenges. After that, I've got a few more call-ins to share from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and The Lonely Adventurer from Camping with Owlbears. Two more great shows that are well worth your time. This is Season 7, Episode 11. Not letting work kill my hobby. If you say the real life ends up your days And you don't have time to Ironically, 
I'm experiencing some of the work-induced invasive and destructive feelings that inspired the podcast in the first place. In short, I feel like work is killing my hobby. For those who don't know, I'm a high school teacher and contrary to popular belief, we don't just work from nine until three and then go home. According to research done by the NASUWT, the largest teaching union in the UK, the average teacher works around 55 hours per week. I can remember times when, especially in my first year as a teacher, I was working nearer 80 hours. Right now, in the current pandemic-ridden UK, under orders to bring all students back into school full-time, we've not only been putting in the hours, but also working completely in peripatetic mode, which in simple terms means moving rooms every single lesson. We're also having to cope with more new regulations and changes to the school day than I can actually count. To give you just a small flavour, the current working version of the guidelines in my school are 21 A4 pages long in about 10-point Arial font. It's mind-blowingly complicated, actually, and it's still making my head hurt daily. What are we now, 10 days in? I am sure, in time, we will adapt to the new pressures, but frankly, I'm knackered beyond belief daily. Of course, judging from what my friends tell me, I reckon that there are very few working adults out there who don't know what doing too many hours feels like. So, even if you still harbour the those-who-can't-teach attitude to my profession, you can probably relate to working too many hours and having too much on your plate. How does this impact the hobby? The story is simple. We find ourselves very active throughout the working day, and by the time we get home, we're shattered, tired and worn out. Be honest, how creative do you feel at the end of a busy working day? As I said before, role-playing games are a creative endeavour, but they're also a social hobby. And for me, running a game as a game master is very demanding of my mental energies. That is further compounded by my naturally introverted nature, the need that I have to recharge my batteries by being on my own. But even if you are a rabid extrovert, you'll probably admit that your energy levels are going to dip right after work. The reality of 21st century life, at least in Western Europe, is that we work far too many hours and far too hard. And even under the former non-pandemic regime, we end up crashing at the end of the working day. Our days off are generally spent recovering. That is my situation right now. It's also the very situation I spoke about in the very first episode of my podcast. It seems that the problem doesn't go away. But I need to call myself out on this one. I chose this career, this vocation. This is the price of admission to the classroom, where amazing communities of discovery are forged. But it's also necessary for me to place boundaries around my work. I can't let it rob me of my role-playing. Certainly, over the past few weeks, I needed to face the facts. I can't play three nights a week, nor can I play on a school night. But I can play. I am still playing, just not quite in the way I might ideally want to play. But adaptation is the key to survival. (music) 
So how am I keeping the hobby flame alive? In truth, I'm taking my own advice. I went back and reviewed season two, episode one, because I remember that it had some fairly reasonable ideas. Here's my current approach. I think there are three major changes that you need to make to stand any chance of getting to the table. First, you need to work out how to move things around in your life to create a space for gaming. Second, you need to help your spouse, partner or significant others get used to the idea of you having a space for gaming. And lastly, you need to attract some people to join you at the table or go out and find an existing group to join. I think that even before all of this, however, you need to overcome the largest hurdle of all. You need to give yourself permission to play. And although I didn't initially feel I needed to work on this last point, I now recognise that I did. If you need help giving yourself some permission, the aforementioned Season 2 Episode 1 is actually quite a good place to start. Right now, for myself, I have made some adjustments. Firstly, I know that I have two windows for play. Friday nights after work for about two to three hours max. I need recovery time, hence starting around 7pm and the maximum time I can give will be about three hours. Two hours is better and best of all would be playing, not GMing. But there you go, I do have a slot on Friday nights after work. The second window is on a Saturday afternoon or evening. Right now I'm opting for evenings, again 7pm-ish, because then I can get some American friends involved and still attract the Brits and Europeans. Also, to be honest, Saturday afternoon often gets used by my wife and thus an evening session is more likely to succeed with point two. Point two, of course, is helping your spouse, partner or significant others to get used to the idea of you having a space for gaming. Deb is very gracious and understanding of my need to play games. I am incredibly blessed. But still, I talked to her about it and we agreed that fortnightly is her preference for frequency because that allows the off weeks to be date nights for a movie or a meal out. And that all sounds great to me. Thirdly, I needed to attract some players. I guess I do have an advantage these days, given that Roleplay Rescue actually does have some listeners, and I'm very pleased to have many online gaming friends. But simply put, I just offered to run the Saturday game, and the first session attracted four friends to the table, and it was a joy to play. So yeah, it hasn't been too hard for me to make that adaptation. That said, I do have some additional tips for playing online under the current stressful conditions. In short, I have stripped the process back to the most simple and mentally low challenge mode. I am playing online using Discord for voice only chat. We are playing using standard character sheets and real dice. I am trusting the players not to cheat and asking them to trust me as GM. I'm only using verbal description in session we're using Twist, a kind of blend of text, chat and email, to communicate between sessions. I am responding in real time via Twist to player questions and requests as much as I can. And I'm treating in-game time as real time. Thus, two weeks between sessions means two weeks passing the game world. I'm running the table as an open table, meaning anyone can come to any session. There are six seats, first come, first served, and pre-generated characters are available to newbies and I'm also using a simple game structure. V. 
the mega dungeon. And that, I think, is about it. Why does that work better for me? Well, I don't have to worry about maps that look good enough to show, fiddling around with dice rollers, messing about with digital images, worrying about the bells and whistles and expensive apps or any of that malarkey. It's me, some friends, dice, characters and a dungeon. The out of session chat keeps me engaged, which in turn helps me to feel excited to play in a fortnight's time. And additionally, I'm lucky enough to have a player step forward to help manage the player characters, helping players create their characters, maintaining a pool of pre-gens, and even running the post-game loot trading. All of this is the kind of help that keeps my mind focused on having the time and energy to add some more rooms to the dungeon and writing up some more room keys every day. And that's worth mentioning. For those who don't listen to the Dungeon Master's Diary, I have deployed... BJ Fogg's behavior model to help me design a way to add one thing to the dungeon map every time I go and make a cup of coffee. And additionally, I've committed to writing one room key per night after work and on Saturdays. Sundays are, by the way, sacrosanct, thus no dungeoneering on Sundays. But even still, that's between 6 and 18 rooms on the map and at least 6 rooms keyed every week. More than enough per fortnight for a two-hour session in the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings. In a recent conversation, Shandy Andy said something that struck me as, on the surface, utterly banal, but when spoken to me at just the moment it was said, which was instead of a Friday night game when GM Jason was called to work at the last minute, when he said it then, it was utterly profound. Shandy Andy said, just do it. You've just got to do it, Jay. He was talking about RuneQuest Glorantha. He said it with such conviction that I was stunned. He and Evil Jeff were chatting in the RPR Discord, and when I showed up wanting to talk about gaming, the conversation became quite wonderfully intense. Both guys were pushing me to run. Shandy Andy was flattering. You are a good GM, Jay. I know you don't think that, but you are good. I felt embarrassed and protested, my protestations and fears were met with a blunt response. That's all just bullshit. Sorry, but it is. You've just got to do it. As I say this, I feel a mix of release and terror. But the terror is bullshit. Andy is right to call me out on it. The release is that I realise that I haven't given myself permission to run anything that isn't a D&D style game. I have come to believe, somewhere deep inside, that I can't sustain such a game. The release is hearing the truth, as with most things in life, we need to begin. Having begun, we must simply continue. Learning as we go, we stumble. Shandy Andy is right. I just need to do it. I wrote a whole load of thoughts on a page in my daybook. I found the list of games that I thought, back in May, I want to try. But the truth is that, somewhere deep inside, I just want to play RuneQuest. I've been wanting to play RuneQuest for decades, since I first opened that box set when I was a pre-teen kid, maybe about nine years old. I have wanted to go to Glorantha. And so, my friends, I am. And my breath is catching in my throat with the fear and anticipation of saying this. I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to run a game of RuneQuest in Glorantha. I don't know how, I, I don't know when, I don't know who with, but I'm going to do it. Stuff it. I, I need to run this bloody game. And there is something deep within me that knows that it's now or never. Shandy Andy has encouraged me to use my Saturday or Sunday afternoons. That is a terrible time for Americans, my brain tells me. You're never going to find players for that. And besides, your wife probably isn't going to approve. These are the thought distortions in my head. The lies my brain tells me. You see, the other thing Shandy Andy said he learned was a simple truth. Again, as banal as it is profound. If you run it, people will turn up, Che. They just will come and play. And if it's any good, they'll come again. I don't know when. I don't know who with. But I do know that I'm going to go now upstairs to the role-playing game piles and grab my copy of RuneQuest Glorantha. I'm going to play this game. I'm going to enter that world. And I'm going to do it now. Rescue! Sat in my bedroom. And I've either gone crazy or I have done something very positive. I signed up uh, earlier this year to go to Glorantha, uh, Glorantha Games Convention, that's what it's called, 2020, which was originally going to be back in April, around my birthday actually. But of course, due to the uh, pandemic, it kind of got cancelled. And uh, originally it was going to be moved back to... Uh, later in the year, I think there was a kind of plan we might be able to get back in later in the year, and obviously that's all sort of not happening. Um, and I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, uh, the guys who were running it decided to um, move it online. And so on October the 3rd, 2020, um, I think it's from like 10 a.m. UK time, uh, there are essentially the Grand The Games thing is happening on this Saturday, the 3rd of October. and. Um, I was kind of cool. I signed up for that, uh, waiting, you know, excitedly for the, the uh, list of games so I could take part as a player. And there'll be two games in the day, two four-hour sessions, one from about 10 till 2, and then one in the afternoon to the evening until about 7 p.m., I think. So, um, yeah, about 3 till 7 or something. A few days ago, uh, Pookie, one of the organisers, put out a request again for new GMs or more GMs because... Uh, by all accounts, aren't enough GM stepping up, and um, I sort of momentarily actually just thought about it. Kind of thought, oh, you know, I maybe, I, and then I kind of just bottled it totally. But today, following on the conversation I had with um, Shandy Andy and Evil Jeff yesterday, I contacted Pookie this morning and just said, "Hey, do you still need GMs?" The answer is yes. So I threw my hat in the ring. Of course, the first question was, "Okay, so what do you want to run?" So it's like RuneQuest role playing in Grantham, no problem. Yeah, but what scenario? And I had no idea. But I knew that I wanted to go back where I started. I started in Apple Lane with that second edition box set back in 1980, which I stole off my dad. And so I said, well, I kind of had this weird memory that in the GM pack there are some adventures set in and around Apple Lane. So I just said, well, why don't just, how about I just run the first scenario? You know, when this, um, I got a slipcase, and um, when that slipcase came, I kind of just quickly unwrapped things and I kind of had a quick squint, but I've never really looked. So. My plan right now is to sit here and have a look through, kind of begin to immerse myself in this because the truth is that I'm terrified, but at the same time, really excited and energised. 
And I sort of just need to find my feet. And I think the first thing I could do with doing is just find a scenario. So, yeah, either I've done something really, really cool or something totally insane. Um, but I'm going to run my first game of RuneQuest as a GM ever. And I'm going to do it in about three weeks' time. So what? You're probably not a teacher. You probably already have your own gaming regime. But maybe not. Roleplay Rescue has a mission to try and get gamers back to the table. If you're struggling to find time, or if work is currently murdering your creative energy and will, perhaps there is something in what I have shared that you can use to get yourself playing. Roleplaying games are not just a minor creative outlet or mere silly games. They are foundational. They are a creative endeavour through which people can escape the mundane experience of life and enter a wonderland of possibilities. Whether you choose to create a pretty detailed and earnest simulation with intricate characterization and interactions, or you choose a light-hearted action romp through a dungeon, the role-playing game is all about the choices you make. It can be just about as personal and expansive as you choose it to be. I guess in short, I want you to believe that role-playing games are both worth it, worth your time and effort, but also very much achievable, even within the busy lives we all seem to be living. There's some pretty compelling science to suggest that human beings need time to play. On top of that, positive psychologists tell us that periods of joy have to be consciously created unless we want to live grey and boring lives. Please consider consciously creating a space, however small in your life, to play. Please ask your friends or family to come and get involved. And if nothing else, give yourself permission to take time aside to play. If anything I said today helps you in any way, well, that makes it worth doing. I want you to experience what it's like to enter a community discovery in which you can feel accepted as a hobbyist. That community isn't a macro-scale, world-spanning organisation. No, that community is you and your mates forming a gaming group. The discovery is made once you start rolling those dice. And the acceptance, that flows from taking the time to play creative games don't let work kill your hobby i'm not ready to give in yet and i pray you aren't too game on thanks for listening ha jason here thank you very much for the kind words i can't contribute much so i do what i can do um as far as DD fantasy goes that's an interesting question I don't know what draws us because you know D and D was my first game, the basic set, the Mentor Redbox basic set, and I've played plenty of D and D over the years of both, you know, Beck Me and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and I played BX since getting back in the hobby, and I've even played Second Edition a couple times, but I haven't played any of those non TSR D and Ds because you know they're not real D and D. But point being, D and D Fantasy. I don't know, man. It's very interesting because if you ask me what game I want to play, fantasy typically is not a D&D fantasy or D&D game is not the game I'm going to pick. And I think I'll go to the second message to expand on that. Why not D&D fantasy? 
Well, part of it's the rule system. I, I'm just not a huge fan of D&D rules, the TSR edition D&D rules. As far as the setting, I think it is a good setting. I think it's an interesting setting, but I think there are tons of other interesting settings out there too. Palladium Fantasy, for example. So, I don't know, but typically fantasy, so sword and sorcery draws me. I like sword and sorcery, but aside from that, typically, if you ask what genre I want to play, I'm not going to say fantasy. I'm going to say something else. You know, I want to play a, a sci-fi game or a cyberpunk game or a modern game or I'm, I'm getting ready to spin up a single-player play-by-post spy game, which ought to be, a, you know, one-player, one-GM spy game, which ought to be really fun. Um, a Western, I'm running that Boot Hill play-by-post. You know, for you guys, I'm running that Barbarians Lemoria Mythic Greek game, which, you know, that's not D- what I would consider D&D fantasy. You know, it's Harryhausen fantasy. Um, I'm getting ready to run a Dark Masters of the Universe game using Barbarians of Ruined Earth, which is basically the Black Hack first edition. I don't know. I don't know what, what it is. I like D&D fantasy. I've never liked the novels. I like reading through the books, the rule books, but I've, and the modules for D&D, but I've just never overly enjoyed playing it. Not sure why. Shan Dandy's trying to fix that with his OSE game, and he's already killed me off, so I get to come back and play Wizard in, instead of the Barbarian I had. So maybe Shan Dandy will fix me and, and learn me how to play D&D. We'll see. But... Thank you for all that you do, Shay. It's really appreciated. And I will talk to you soon. And thank you, Jason, for calling in. It's great to hear from you. And thank you for sharing your thoughts on, you know, whatever it is with D&D Fantasy, obviously referring back to an episode or so ago. Riddle me this, listeners. How does Jason have so many ideas for games and have so many games going and work full time? I, I, I have no idea how the man does it. And... Um, People have said to me in the past, you know, Che, I don't know how you do it, how you run so many games. And the truth is, I don't actually run all that much, if I'm honest. But I'm in awe of those who do. So I don't think there's much I can add. I don't think there's much I can say in response other than thanks for the call in, Jason. And here is a call from the Lonely Adventurer. Hi, Jay. Lonely Adventurer. Long time no call in. I'm actually pretty far behind on a lot of podcasts but i was just catching up on keep off the borderland and i heard your call in where you were saying you're getting a lot of negative feedback on all the game theory stuff that you talk about and uh much like spencer i found that very surprising um that's pretty much what i come to your podcast for so yeah uh there's at least a couple of us out here that are really getting a lot out of it and really enjoying it so yeah keep talking about what you're passionate about and uh look forward to getting caught up and hearing more lonely adventurer out And that is how to encourage a podcaster, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Lonely Adventure, for calling in. I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of that particular message and where that all comes from. I just wanted to uh, acknowledge it and say thank you. Yeah, I I don't always get positive feedback, especially on the subject of game theory. There are a lot of people out there who have their own views on how games should be played. And regular listeners will know that I tend to stand against the one true way kind of thought and feeling um and i'm not going to say a lot i just yeah it's not always pretty and it's nice that people take the time to call and say that they did appreciate stuff so i'm just grateful i'm grateful to spencer because also he's been in touch and uh, we had a bit of a private back and forth on that and um i really appreciated this call so i'm just going to leave it there thank you lonely adventurer please do 
keep listening and of course if there is stuff that you like on this show I would ask anyone who's listening to consider calling in and let me know um, but if you don't like it uh, frankly keep it to yourself because I don't need to hear it I guess <laughs> thanks guys That's it for this episode. Thank you to all of today's callers, Judd, Jason and Lonely Adventurer. Thank you again to John from Tales of the Manticore for a new bit of music that I will need to work out how to use, at least from time to time. Of course, John, feel free to send me any other bits you whip up, because frankly it's great stuff and massively appreciated. As ever, thanks are due to the loyal Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpg rescue you guys make all the difference to me as a creator thank you finally thanks go to you the listener for taking the time out of your day to uh, listen to me rambling on thank you my name is che webster this is roleplay rescue game on (laughs) 